0: People of the world, hello and welcome to The Brothers Talk with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm, where our purpose is a simple one. Tune into our weekly podcast each Friday wherever you listen to your favorite programs or on this website to hear us, three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice as the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. To reach us with your comments, questions, and suggestions, we're at The Brother's Talk on Twitter, The Brother's Talk on Instagram, the Facebook group of the same name, and if you care to share in more detail, hit us up at the email address, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Also, stay tuned for details about our upcoming news and perspective show on Millennium TV's M24 streaming news station. And here we are again on the Brothers Talk, the podcast. We are glad to be with you on this, our 12th broadcast so we're looking forward to another great conversation. Again, a quick shout out to Brandon and Lauren for joining us on our last podcast, and an apology to anybody who looked at the mistake that we made in uploading this past week's podcast in that it said episode 6 when it was indeed episode 11. Well, unfortunately, the process is that once you have uploaded, there are no edits after that, so again, our apologies, but now we want to jump into today's topic, but before we do that, that, our co host Scott and Noam.
1: Hey, family, we want to thank you for your continued support. And also, we need to be
2: safe, cautious, and aware of what we're doing out here during this pandemic. I just want to say hello to everyone and really ready to get this show together, Rod. So I'm going to turn it over to you.
0: We want to direct more of our attention toward our young people in particular and drop a little science and knowledge because we're starting to become dangerously indoctrinated to the idea of action without knowledge, of charging ahead, without any true understanding of what we're up against. We're rejecting conversation as a fact of the informative process and thereby being divided and pretty much conquered before the battle begins. That's the reason why we're here on The Brothers Talk, is to incite and inspire the pursuit of critical thinking through reason, discourse, in other words, through conversation. So we're gonna talk today about what's going on still with the coronavirus and the fact that we as a community are being used as human guinea pigs, like canary in the coal mine. And this goes back through a lot of our history. We have the Tuskegee syphilis experiments. We had Dr. Eugene Sanger, who up until 1971 was a radiologist at the University of Cincinnati who was using black cancer patients to subject them to whole body radiation as a way of testing the effects. Even though they had already by then determined that cancer more responded to localized radiation treatments, we were being used as guinea pigs. We've got an example of Henrietta Lacks, whose cells are still being used experimentally today to treat a wide variety of diseases and whose family had to basically sue under the Civil Rights Act to finally get control or some control over their DNA. We got J. Marion Sims, who's considered the father of modern gynecology, who just recently had his statue taken out of Central Park because he experimented on black women conducting painful operations without any anesthetic under the notion that black people felt less pain than other ethnic groups. And that's a notion that still persists because it was even reported in a study at the University of Virginia in 2016. So that's a part of the backdrop that I wanted to begin and introduce with. And so, Scott, Norm, what do you want to add to that part of the discussion?
1: Well, uh, Rod, you mentioned the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. The thing that is kind of similar to what's going on being used as as guinea pigs is the fact that there were black doctors. Everybody knew of Nurse Rivers. She was the person that they talked about a lot in terms of the, uh, the black men who were involved in Tuskegee syphilis experiment. Nobody talks about that was a black doctor also. I think his name was Dibbles or something like that. But the fact that they were involved in that because so that Tuskegee can get some credit. And I'm saying that this is similar because last night I was watching Rachel Maddows and she interviewed this black doctor in Albany. And she gave him an opportunity. She said, so what do you think about the fact that the governor is trying to reopen the state of Georgia? You know, what are your thoughts? You think he should be doing that? His reply, instead of saying... He shouldn't be doing that like everybody else said. Everybody else is saying that that shouldn't be done. It's, it's too early. He said, well, you know, we can't tell. I'm not in the business of something to that effect of telling politicians what to do. You know, I'm in the business of making sure that sick people are treated and getting better, to the, something to that effect. I'm like, I cannot believe that this guy didn't say the right thing. You know, didn't say that. No, now is not the time to be opening state back up. He just kind of sat on the fence.
0: You know, and one of the bigger arguments that we have to contend with when it comes to these kind of conversations is that it does, it pits blacks against other blacks because there are those of us who just like many of these low-income whites who were forced to choose between eating and continuing employment or risking their lives. And so, you know, so you put people in that kind of impossible situation because the government is not giving them the necessary resources on the one hand, but. The other side of it is that they have to try to be smart and recognize that it's not about the dollar always, that the essence is you're putting life in limb before the dollar bill, and that's the actual order that it should be, but they force people in a situation where they're like rats in a maze that they're chasing after the carrot. What do you think, Norm?
2: Well, the carrot is not going to save your life here you know, or the lives of your family members and friends. Because again, if you get this virus, you're going to pass it on to somebody. You know, this is, and people want to compare it to the flu. This is really way more transferable than the flu. But again, we have to think, and we have to become a community. And that's the real problem here because they can open up everything, but it doesn't really matter unless we decide to leave and go to these establishments. So we have to start thinking in those terms, number one. And again, if we are a community and someone's not doing well and we can actually help them out, that's what we have to do. You know, they can only take advantage of, of us if we allow them to. And historically, we have sat there and we have allowed them to do these things to us. Norm, that's so true. And the reason that this looks so much also like
1: we're being used as guinea pigs, let's just focus on Georgia for a minute. Look at the, the businesses that he decided to open up. barber shops, beauty salons, nail salons, bowling alleys, gymnasium, gyms. Now, we know that black folks go to barbershops and hang in the barbershops a lot. We know that women like to go to nail salons, black women. We know that black women like to get their hair done. You know, we know that who goes to the bowling alleys besides besides black folks and poor white. So to me, when I first heard that, I was like, Oh my God, he's trying to kill some black folks. Because those are the businesses that we frequent. And that's what it really, really looks like. They're being used as guinea pigs. Let's put them out there. Let's see what happened because we know they're ignorant. You open up these businesses and they're going to come. I don't know what happened in Georgia. I did see something to the effect that there was a line in some town that may have been in Atlanta waiting on the barbershop to open up like 630 in the morning, forming a line.
0: Yeah. And, you know, why this is such a reasoned conversation is because of a bit of the false narrative that continues to go out there in terms of a false equivalency. And what I mean by that is that there is an attempt to portray that these people who are out there who are going to these places are the majority. And the truth is, it's just the opposite. It's just like the thing they try to put in front of, I had a conversation with a woman earlier today where she wanted to talk about how there were these people who are responsible for the ills in our communities, that it's the people who are in the middle of this environment are going out to play basketball and barbecuing and so forth. And so what I had to remind her is that this is not the the norm for our communities, that the vast majority of us are still staying at home, but because they portray those few that actually go out there and do it, just like those few that we talked about before who are out there having baby parties and and, and swim parties and so forth, are not representative of the masses of us. And Van Jones actually had a segment on CNN where he basically gave that same kind of false equivalency. And that was really what, the core of what our discussion was about because she was saying, you know, Van Jones is right because Van Jones was saying that not only is it the government that's responsible for like redlining and so forth, but that we have our own responsibility. And so what I was pointing out to her is that that's a false equivalence because while we do not deny that we have our own responsibility when it comes to our behaviors, but they're not equal. You know, our responsibility is not equal to the 400 years of enslavement, of Jim Crow, of the black codes, of redlining, of mass incarceration, of segregation as to say that now the few of us who are making bad decisions they're the exact same thing.
2: It's pretty bad when you have to quote Van Jones. <laughs> yeah. You know,
1: one of the things I, I haven't heard folk like Van Jones and, and people on uh, in social media or TV, one of the things I haven't heard them say is, okay, for the folks who want to open their businesses back up, for the, the business owners who have these big businesses, you go out there on the, first, on the front line. You go out there on the front. line. Let's see you go out there on the front line with the folks that you're putting out there on the front line. You go out there and show everybody that this is safe. It's okay to do it. If you're the CEO of one of these big companies, Fortune 500 company, you go out on the front line with the average worker and show everybody that it's okay. I don't hear people putting that challenge out there. Now, I would be curious to see what kind of response they'll get when mm-hmm. folks start asking some of these CEOs when they are speaking to them about opening back up what they think about going out there on the
2: front line. And how do you see 50,000 deaths in four months? And your rationale is we need to get back to work.
0: Well, you have your resident Karen, who's the mayor of Las Vegas, who had the (laughs) nerve to tell you that here she is being called on a daily basis by the owners of the casinos who are saying that they need to get those convention halls and those hotels and casinos open again. And so, of course, none of them or her is going to be in there on the front lines and right. the dealers and the customer service representatives for these folks. And these are all billionaires who are sitting back basically immune from the effects of this. But they're so concerned about the monopoly money aspect of capitalism that they want to get these people out there who are effectively making more money for them under the guise of them actually looking out for people who, just like our president and I always say this, who wouldn't spit on them if they were on fire? I, I love her because she actually offered up her city to be the testing
2: ground control group for this test. And then in the same sentence, she said she didn't say that.
0: Well, she also said that she wouldn't be there either. Well, at least when Anderson Cooper tried to press her on would she go in and be with those people once the casinos opened up. Asked her three times and her response was, well, I have a family. And I don't gamble. So he basically concludes, okay, so that's a no, but as though those people don't have families as well.
1: The question that I kept asking myself, the little bit of that, that interview that I watched was how did this idiot become the mayor of Vegas? It was just mind bargaining that somebody who appears to be so selfish, so incompetent, all she thought about was money and people voted for her. Can answer that question. Yeah.
0: She's white. <laughs> well, but I'll take another tack. She's only the mayor of Las Vegas. Yeah. We have a president <laughs> who has suggested, among other things, dropping a nuclear weapon into the midst of a hurricane to disperse it, who talked about the big water from water perspective around Puerto Rico, and who most recently suggested that people should be injected with disinfectant and Clorox while subjecting themselves to full-body, ultraviolet light. And your point is? <laughs> he asked the question, how could she be the mayor of Las Vegas? Oh. And of course, 40 million people across this nation couldn't be wrong about the president, could they?
1: I guess also the big question is, the people who voted for her and watched that interview, are they going to reelect her? That's going to be the interesting, my interesting question. What's going to be the outcome of that election? When it's time for to get reelected
0: besides the fact that really i think if it was up to them there'd be a recall but notice she talked about all the casino owners yeah. who called her up yeah. which means that they've got the direct line to her. and so i would suspect the individual voter in las vegas their vote carries little weight in relation to the casino owners all banding together and deciding that this is the idiot to be in charge because they could get her to do what she wants them to do
1: but, but getting back to what we were talking about in terms of black folks being guinea pigs, I mean, it's time for us to mobilize and stop being allowing ourselves to be uh, guinea pigs. We got to start being smart and stop being selfish. Start having some patience. That got to start somewhere. It's like we have that, not all of us, but the idiots who are going out there into these establishments have that, I got to have it now mentality. They're, they're so impatient and so selfish. And we allow. when we do that, we allow ourselves to look small and look ignorant, look uninformed and look uneducated and go out here and run in here. I got to get my hair cut. I got to go to the nail salon. You know, I got to go to the beauty salon. I'm going to risk my life to do that. That kind of mentality, we got to get away from that and stop allowing ourselves to be used as guinea pigs.
0: Yeah, and I think you're right. But I still go back to the fact that that is a small percentage of us. But what I do also believe is that we as a people need to be demanding from our politicians. We ought to be demanding from Joe Biden if he wants our vote that these are the kinds of things that we will no longer tolerate if he wants our vote. He needs to make a commitment to us written down. Clyburn, all these members of the Black Caucus ought to all be held accountable. If they're not speaking out on these kinds of issues, you know, where they want to talk about Stacey Abrams, well, she ought to be up front talking about what's happening in the state of Georgia on this front. You know, I did appreciate the fact that the mayor of Atlanta did stand up and say that, hey, not only are our positive tests increasing. But our deaths are 36% higher. And so she was still advising people. You know, she made it clear that she wasn't trying to defy the governor, but she was imploring her people with the power that she had of her voice to implore them to stay home. And that's the kind of leadership that I think has to be propped up and be supported in a way that allows the powers that be to understand that we are just not going to take it anymore. Just like you said, Scott, we're not going to sit still and allow ourselves to be anybody's guinea pigs and we're not going to be the canaries in the coal mine that you cannot continue your pattern 401 years after the fact.
1: You know Where is Stacey? She's out here campaigning to be the vice president but she hasn't said anything about her state and what the governor who stole the election from her, stole the governorship from her, she's not saying that this guy is an idiot and what he's doing is going to hurt black folks. I haven't heard a word
0: from her. Exactly. So we have... Too much at stake, especially now, because the numbers are just appalling. And so we're at, as you said, normally 50,000 and counting. And so beyond the fact that you've had a government that's focused on trying to find a way to give more money to the corporations, 45 just tweeted that he instructed his administration to come up with a plan to throw a lifeline to the oil industry. You know, after they've been enjoying record-breaking profits year over year for the last 40 years and receiving huge government subsidies and tax breaks, it just shows you where his focus is. But again, while that's going on, where are the Democrats who want our vote standing up and saying, no, before we do anything for any of these major corporations, airline, car industries, et cetera, we need to make sure that the people are safe and covered by the safety net.
1: Where's the Black Caucus? Has anyone from the Black Caucus said anything about anything?
2: Is the Black Caucus still active? Basically, the Black Caucus has sold out to the extent of uh, you know, the, uh, the little song from a soldier story. Anything you don't want to do, the Black Caucus will do for you. <laughs>
0: well, the individual they're coming out and talking, but that in and of itself is part of the problem that they allow themselves to be picked off one by one for their 15 minutes of fame, their moment in the sun, as opposed to uniting behind a single voice. You know, why, why aren't they issuing a statement? They have a person who is the president, I think it's Hakeem Jeffries, if I'm not mistaken. Why aren't they issuing a statement, you know, on the steps of the Capitol or, you know, obviously they can't get together now, but they could certainly do a zoom or go to meeting where they're all out there addressing Black America. This is a time for them that they could actually use the technology to show some solidarity and galvanize the nation's Blacks behind them. But what do you see? You see one on CNN, one on MSNBC, Fox will find this token, CBS will find one, NBC will find one. And at the end of the day, even if their messages are similar, it's the fact that it's so separate that we're not getting any kind of consensus.
1: Yeah, you're not getting one voice, and you got, especially when all the all of the statistics show the people who are being affected the most in terms of the folks who are dying are Black folks. And so especially now should be the time that the Black Caucus come out as one voice and say, hey, we need to take a look at why this is happening. But I'm not here in front of Black Caucus.
2: You can't serve two masters. And the Black Caucus, you can't take the corporate dollars and then come out and, and stand up and, and defend the people. It just doesn't work. That's why they're never gonna be able to do it.
1: Well, they can at least, like Rod, say, have one voice on one issue, and that's the way that the coronavirus is impacting the black community. That has nothing to do with corporations or anything. It's just that
2: we're showing concerns for our people, and they're not doing that. But they voted against things that would have benefited our people. They voted for things that have hurt our people.
0: Well, that's why I say we got to hold them accountable as well. And that's where it starts, that before we turn all of our attention to Joe Biden, then the James Clyburns, the Hakeem Jeffries, the Val Demings, all of them who are out there. And I mean, you know, they some of them have some very progressive stances in our direction, but they need to get together. They call themselves a Black Caucus, and that's what they need to do so that we can see something of an avenue of real opportunities to leverage our voting strength. Well, that's it for another edition of The Brothers Talk. And we thank each and every one of you for spending some time with us. And we look forward to sharing with you again next week. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at The Brothers Talk, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, the Facebook group of the same name. And if you want to go long form with your comments, you can always reach us at the email address, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. In parting, as always, we say let's do better today because that's really all we have. So stay safe and be well.